Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Sarcasm Speaks. Uh, Jared and Bob here. Uh, we were supposed to have Spencer with us tonight, uh, but you know, Spencer, if you're listening, uh, I I'm waiting on that story, man. He he was coming on to uh, discuss some some transgressions of a well, a former coworker of mine, a current coworker still for him. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what, what what the deal was. He was like, I'll tell you later. I'm eating dinner right now. So I guess I'll find out later or I won't. <laughs> or never. Uh, yeah. Or or whatever. I'll probably forget because he's got two small kids and uh, is probably going to be busy after dinner. So doing whatever you got to do with that shit. So um, which actually um, we'll, we'll start the show out with all the shout outs here. We already we just mentioned Spencer uh, as a friend of the show. Uh, also, check out Reality Tonic podcast over there to see him. Um, shout out to uh, to Sexy Chris uh, to start out the show. Um, he brought to my attention that I never mentioned on this show somehow that uh, we were having a baby, that Amy was pregnant. Because um, it, it was my final thought on the last episode was like the ultrasound. Um and he was like, hey, man, um, I've been listening to like every episode. Did I miss a baby announcement? And I was like, wait, I never said anything? And he goes, no, I've I've listened to every show. And I was like, shit, dude, like, that's my my bad. <laughs> like, I, I had just assumed that I had mentioned it at some point. Um, and apparently I didn't. So... Um, cause I'm, I'm going to trust Chris on this one. Cause now like the, cause he was like, unless I missed it, but I was like, I don't know, man, if you're listening, you'd hear it. Um, you figure way to catch your attention. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's on me, I guess for burying the lead, uh, for my final thought in the last episode. So there you go. Um, where I, we're having, yeah, we are having a baby. That's usually how the, the good way to say it. Because a lot of times people would be like, we're pregnant. And it's like, let's be real. No, I'm, no, we're not. I'm not doing any of the hard work here. Um, I'm not the one carrying the child. I'm not pregnant. Um, even though I might look like I'm pregnant because I'm fat as shit. Um, she's yeah. actually the one carrying the she, baby. She's the one who's pregnant. Yeah, she she's the one that's dealing with all of the, or was prior with the nausea and now the heartburn and, you know, all the the fun stuff that comes along with being pregnant. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have any of that. I don't have to deal with any of that. Um, so I don't really get to claim the the pregnancy as far as I see. I mean, obviously I, obviously I claim the child, but I like hate that shit too. It's like, pregnancy, oh, we're, we're, yeah. we're pregnant. No, you're fucking not. No, we're not. I have zero claim. I've done none of the work, right? Well, I mean, did a little bit of work at, at the very beginning, I suppose, technically. Um, but none of it. That, like 99.9%. All you have to do is just fall. Like, it, it's just, and I say like appointments, I don't mean, like, obviously you do have literal appointments, but like, you just have to show up at to, to when you're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And maybe run out to buy some shit at the end of the night when it's like, yeah. oh, fuck. Like, yeah, which is which is funny now too because so I guess since this is the announcement, um, we're like halfway through at this point. I think we're like 
well, we're past halfway technically. I think we're at like 22 weeks this week or something like that. Um, so obviously most people would, I would imagine, understand that pregnancy lasts about 40 weeks. Um, so we're, we're over the, we're over the hump. We're in like, you know, the Wednesday, if you will. Um, but now is when like, I've, I've started talking to people and they're like, oh, have you done this? Like, no, I haven't, I haven't done that. Like, oh, well, have you thought about getting one of these? Nope. Haven't, haven't thought about any of that. Have you even painted a room yet? Uh, you have to paint a room. I mean, the Which room, room was, are you painting? This one? Th- this is the room that, that I'm going to get kicked out of the office. So Did you the, paint it? <clears throat> no, it was painted everyone who, two everyone years who's ago. Ever, no, no, no. You have to paint it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get, I'll take one little. That baby will brush. fucking know that you didn't paint that room. I know. Right. That is the one good thing, right? That we literally just renovated the house, like just over two years ago, I think. Uh, so I don't have to like paint the room or like, no, do you gotta, dude, like you, you don't fucking get it. Have you ever met someone who had a baby? <laughs> a few people. Yeah. I guarantee you they painted a room before the fucking baby was born. Cause that baby will fucking know when it comes out. It's like, this uh, this paint seems like it was con- before I was conceived. You you <laughs> didn't you you're not what 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 are we living in a fucking orphanage here? This paint doesn't look like it has three other colors underneath it. <laughs> yeah, you got yeah. You should you should probably just we should probably just stop now so you can you can paint that room. Yeah, yeah. I'll actually I won't go to bed tonight until I finish painting the room. Yeah, you you, you got to paint the room. I'll paint the room a slightly darker shade of green. As long, <laughs> as long as it's fucking painted. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, we we actually were at uh, Amy's cousin's house last night because they have a, a one year old. He like just turned one, like two two months ago, maybe. Um. Yeah, in March. So we were like just talking about like you know what to put on like the the registry for like the baby shower and all that shit because the other thing that. I've learned from people that I've talked to that have just recently have kids. They're like, listen, man, people are going to tell you to buy all this shit. You don't need it. Right. Like, uh, you know, my buddy Neil that I used to work with that um, lives on the Cape, he was like, yeah, my wife's cousin or aunt or something was like, oh, you have to buy the, the Mama Roo fucking baby swing. Like it's the best baby swing in the world. Like they knew someone that had a kid that they put him in it and it's unbelievable. It's the best thing ever. Like you got to get the Mama Roo baby swing. So Neil's telling me the story. They go out to buy the Mom- Mama Roo baby swing. It is not expensive. Uh, it's like 400. I mean, it's not, it's not cheap. Uh, it's like 400 bucks. And he goes, he he puts his newborn daughter in it. She fucking hates it. She freaks out every time she goes in it. So he goes, yeah, if anyone tells you, you absolutely need this one thing, you don't need it. He's like, there, there's no such thing as this is like the end all be all. He's like, every baby's different. Like every person is different, right? He's like, it's fucking stupid. Because everyone's, everyone's got an opinion, right? You get the you get the unsolicited parenting advice too all the time, which another one of my buddies um, was telling me about. He was like, "Yeah, man, be prepared. Like people are just gonna like start telling you shit to do like how you know how you should raise your kid. 
Let me let me tell you how you should raise your kid. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically how it goes. I should completely un, unsolicited. Like people are like, oh well, no, you you know what? You need to get this right. Like if babies love this. It's like, oh okay, dude. I don't I don't think I fucking asked you. Right? Like if I have a question, I'll fucking ask. Wayne summed this up best in Letter Kenny. <laughs> with how a baby acts in response that 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 about sums it up like they like again they sit there they make a face and then they shit their diaper or pants whatever they're wearing at the time yeah uh we talked about this at the gym there's like a like everyone everyone i know has shit that they were given that they don't use yeah now why you would need a dedicated trash barrel just to put diapers in when a regular trash barrel also holds diapers and would get changed over a little bit more frequently. I don't know why you need a dedicated diaper barrel. That just seems like someone doesn't want to take the 12 steps to go from changing table to main trash. Never mind, you're just accumulating a bunch of dirty diapers. Right. Whereas opposed to this frequency of diaper changing, from what I've been told, you'll be taking the trash out. I won't say hourly, but like frequently. Yeah. Multiple times a day. (laughs) And then your house won't smell like a bunch of dirty diapers. Theoretically, if that's something you if if that's something you might be interested in. (laughs) Um. I think a bot like the the bottle washer. I think people liked. I think that one's cool because I think cleaning those are a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, I've heard some things about that. I'm also so this is the other thing too, right? So up until yesterday, when we were when we were talking with again like Amy's cousin and his uh, his wife, um, I didn't I didn't have one goddamn thing on my mind. He was like, oh, he goes check out this diaper backpack that I have. Like it's it's pretty cool. And I was like, it is pretty cool, actually. Like, it's got like a a side. It has two side pockets. One like is a flap that opens up. You can pull the wipes out to like clean the baby because they're fucking gross. Um, and the other one, it has like an insulated pocket that you can keep bottles in, right? Whether you have to keep them warm or cold or whatever. And he's like, look, it's got this fucking this pocket does this and that. And I was like, yeah, man, that's it's pretty cool. Like I. Never would have thought about anything like that. He was like, yeah, I got it at Target. It was like 50 bucks. And I was like, cool. So now I'm like searching for diaper backpacks, I guess. Like I found one. I found a similar one on Amazon for 50 bucks. And it's like, yeah, it's a backpack, right? Like an average backpack, I would expect to pay somewhere around 50 bucks. So it's not like, because there's some of them, right? This is, and this is what I'm learning very quickly is that there's, Normal products that can be used, which you just alluded to with the trash barrel, that are like branded as like baby, that are like twice as much, right? Like I've seen back like baby backpacks, like diaper bags and shit that are like 120 bucks. This is like buying golf shit. It's like like if if you wanted like like the, the best example, like those Columbia shells you have are like 50 or 35 bucks if they're on sale. 
Right. If you want foot joy shells, they're like 125. Yeah. Just because they're fucking foot joy. Yeah, it's the like same co- shit. Columbia's been making outdoor shit for fucking probably longer than foot joy has. Yeah, honestly, yeah. <laughs> but it's golf. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's wild, right? Like a ba- that's why I kind of liked it too cuz it was a it was a diaper ba- a baby backpack, but it was also reasonably priced. Um so like like I said $50 for a backpack is reasonable. Um so yeah, it's it's I, I'm not going to spend $120 on shit like that. Like it's it's just it's it's crazy to see like some of the shit that's out there. Because now, obviously, today, when I had some free time, I started going down like some rabbit holes and looking at like bottles. Dude, the, what the fuck, man? Like, there's so many different kinds of bottles and it's wild. Like, I I'm just, this is a me thing. This is like a personal. I think I would probably prefer glass bottles. Um, just because, like, anytime you heat up plastic, it kind of sketches me out. Um, like I switched over to glass Tupperware a few years ago because like I, every time you put plastic in the microwave and heat it up, like it's going to leach. Like, I don't know. I just, any like I, I have nothing against plastic. Obviously it's fucking great. But like the one thing I don't like is hot plastic. Um, heat and plastic usually don't, don't mix well together. Um, so I was like looking at like glass bottles and stuff too. But then like, some of them they sell with a, a silicone sleeve around them. Some of them you have to buy the silicone sleeve separately, right? Just and it's burn like, your hand like a fucking man, will you? <laughs> well, no, it's more for if you drop it, it won't break because it's glass. Challenge accepted. <laughs> and some of them are like tempered glass. So it's like legitimately won't break. So like tempered glass is um, what your windshield is made out of. So it'll like spider Those crack. Break. Those break. It'll spider crack and like shatter, but it won't like like break like a normal piece of glass if you drop it. Nah, off. I've seen movies. It comes right in. Yeah. <laughs> and goes right out. Whichever one you yeah. need. It's, uh, it's fucking wild, man. All the shit that's out there. So I don't know. I guess that's what, I, what I'm going to be right. spending money Think on. Think about what your grandparents would do. So when you're painting that room, make it all lead paint. I'd yeah, start yeah. <laughs> I would try to get as much mercury in the house as possible. Yes. I'll put seven thermometers on the wall. Um, definitely some asbestos. We need some asbestos yep. in the house. Yep. Uh, no, no plastic covers on the outlets either. Actually, I might make the outlets a little bit bigger, right? In width so fingers can fit in there better. Yeah. Yep. Um trying to think what else I had as a kid lead paint can you put it can you put some power lines over the house <laughs> I can make a phone call I would do that just get some random power lines they yeah. gotta be live but they don't have to do anything <laughs> yeah I would I would I would go back in time now they probably used glass back then probably they did because plastic. plastic didn't really come around until the 50s. Yeah. For commercial use, at least. I would say fuck all current advancements and conveniences that it provides. I think I would go old school. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking, right? So like some some people that I've talked to have been, like I said, they've been like, oh, have you read any books? Have you done any classes? Have you done any of this? And it's like, no. 
They're like, well, how are you going to know what to do? I'm like, I don't know. I f- figure it out. Don't you like, pay a shitload of money to a fucking hospital to fucking birth this child correctly? Yeah. Right? Well, no, they mean like, like the afterwards, like how to change a diaper or like how to do this, how to like, with like, there's those books, like what to expect when you're expecting or how to be a newborn dad or wasn't this like, knocked up? Didn't we already like, do this? Yeah. The baby. I didn't, I didn't read the baby books. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I so, didn't, so, I didn't read so this, it. Here's the thing, <clears throat> you know, with the baby books. Everyone's got their so everyone already has their unsolicited opinions. It's like, oh well, what are you gonna do when you change a diaper? I'll fucking ask you. Yeah. Oh, what, what if I'm not there? I'm like, you'll fucking tell me. Stop. Also, you tell like, me shit. You tell me shit I don't ask for. When I actually ask you for <laughs> something, you'll fucking tell me. Also, like, I'm pretty sure anything I need to find out, I can get. I just watch a YouTube video. Right. Like that's like, how hard can it be to just watch a YouTube video on how to change a diaper. Like, why do I need to spend $300 for a class that they're like, Oh, this is the best way to swaddle a baby. And this is how you change the diaper. And this is what you do. It's like, or I can just go on YouTube and watch some videos and figure it out there. But also like, like, why would you, that that's a thing. Well, it is, it is 2023 to learn books are by far the least efficient way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely were least, least efficient way to do it. Books. Yeah. All the baby, all the baby books. I'll watch a minute and a half YouTube video. Yeah. On whatever I need in the moment. Yes. When I need it. Yeah. I'll learn on the fly. Yeah. Because also the importance level of this stuff is, you know, because it's a, it's a human being, human life. The, uh, (laughs) there's, there's a pretty good sticking factor there. (laughs) and it's also too the way i look at it is like people have been having babies literally since the beginning of time and like they didn't have any baby books or it wasn't that the joke in the fucking in knocked up it was like oh i forgot that the fucking egyptians painted like what to expect (laughs) when you're expecting on the pyramid wall (laughs) (laughs) probably (laughs) that sounds i mean he's not wrong yeah, it's like I don't know, dude. I'll figure it out, right? Like I'm not, I'm not like completely retarded. I'm I'll tell you right bit, now, I'm a people little bit retarded, but like, 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 like people, people want to make. No, listen, kids are a pain in the ass. They really fucking are. Yes, like don't don't <laughs> I don't want to be misconstrued as like them not being like a lot of work. And teetering on annoying, but then like someone will be like, no, they're not annoying. It's like, no, they're annoying just because they're your kids. You can admit that they're annoying. Right. They are because you could be sitting there in silence doing what you want, but instead they're hitting you over the head with a plastic hammer. Don't tell me that this is great. No, it's not. It's annoying. I get it. Like you can admit that it's okay. Right. Like it it is okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you bad, bad parent. It just it makes you a kids real fucking, person. Kids fucking kids are fucking annoying. Yeah, and it's even worse when it's somebody else's. All the feelings you feel towards someone else's kid, your kid is the same thing. <laughs> They're just yours. It's not. That's different. a great way to look at it. <laughs> there, it's not different. Yeah, and it's, it's like yeah, different. okay. Is is the fucking ginger kid a little bit crazier than your kid? Yeah, he might be. He's a fucking daywalker. I don't know what you yeah. want, but like. <laughs> It's no different. It's like, fuck that. But people also try to overcomplicate the entire thing. 
Like some of our ancestors had like six, seven, eight kids. And the father was like, deuces. I'm going, I like, I'm, I'm going to work. I'm fucking off. I'm going to get shit faced, like whatever. Right. And the mother fucking pulled it off. Right. So you don't need everything to be perfect and systemized and right. Whatever. Because again, one of our ancestors had fucking eight kids all around, like, you know, call them Irish twins or whatever the fuck. Like, yeah. Like right in a row. Yeah. And she pulled it off with fucking dad not being around. Right. So it, it is possible. Yeah. I mean, the don't, way I look at it too don't is fucking like, overcomplicate it. Amy's probably going to listen to this and be like, you're a fucking dickhead. But, <laughs> but I mean, the way I look at it too is, uh, do crackheads have babies all the time? Right. Like legitimate drug addicts have babies all the time and like they get by fine. Like yeah, the, the kids generally live. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure I'm going to be okay. Like I'll figure it out. Right. Like it's just, like, it's not that hard. <laughs> yes. It's annoying. Like you said, Dude. right. Like, cause they can't talk at, for at first for like, I don't know, whatever. Like actually that's, pro- that's when it's act. So there's stages of annoying. It's like, when they just kind of sit there and can't do anything, they're actually they're the easiest to deal with. Now, it right. kind of sucks because it's like, oh, every time we want to do something, I have to move you and I have to do this. And it's like such a fucking process to do anything. Right. But then like once they're moving, it's like, oh, my God. I wish you were just like for, I wish for you a were half a an hour again for a half an hour. <laughs> I wish you were just fucking immobilized again. <laughs> <laughs> also disclaimer. I don't have any kids. I know a fuck ton of people who have kids. This is what they tell me. Right. And it sounds reasonable. Yeah. So you want to jump down my, you want to jump down my throat for not having kids. I'm better because I'm not biased. So fair. Therefore, my opinion is better than everybody else's (laughs) because I don't have any. I'm not clouded by having any of my own. (laughs) You can stay objective. Yes. You're not that person that's like, oh, yeah, all those other kids are annoying, but my kid's not. Yeah, my kid's great. (laughs) Yeah, no, my kid's awesome. It's not annoying at all. Farts. The only one you like is your own. (laughs) So. Yeah, it's all those people that are like, oh, what are you going to do? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? The answer, no. I haven't really thought about the whole lot, to be totally honest. Um, am I going to be nervous? I don't know, probably. Like at first, like because it's a new thing. Yeah, I'm not going to like lie and be like, no, I'm not even nervous at all. I mean, right now I'm not that nervous, but I'm sure I will be as we get closer. Um, but still Ner- like... Nervous or anxious? Um. Probably anxious. Okay, because I was gonna say, what do you what do you got to be nervous about? Yeah, yeah. So as, think, we, as hey, as we discussed earlier, we're not pregnant. Yeah, exactly. Right, like she uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> so I was gonna um, say, like for you, nerd, like yeah, anxiety of like the what if and you know what's next and whatever. Yeah. But like, bro, it's twenty twenty three. It's like everything is fucking taken care of. Yeah, it's fine. And you get to pay for it even better. (laughs) And I get to not go to work for like two months, which is the other thing too, right? Where it's like, obviously I'll figure it out. Like I'm going to be home for fucking eight weeks. 
Like, what am I going to, like, what do people think I'm going to do? Just disappear for those eight weeks? Like, oh, dude, what are you going to do? How are you going to figure it out? Well, every day you go out for cigarettes at noon. And <laughs> it's like, I'm literally going to be home. They'll be asleep by the time you Basically 24-7 for eight weeks straight. Like, I'm going to figure a lot of shit out in that time. <laughs> you know, like, it's going to be a lot of trial and you error. Fucking, you might fucking renovate the house again. Yeah, I know, right? That's a long fucking time. Holy shit. Yeah. So I get, I have, no, no, I know you're, enti- no, I know you're entitled to it all. Cause well, you probably I, actually, get- I get 12 weeks, um, through so your company or the PFML. My company gives me four and the state will give me eight. Yeah. So, um, this isn't, that hasn't been finalized yet with, with work, but, um, my plan is to do eight weeks up front. Uh, and then when Amy has to, like when her maternity leave ends, I'll take the last four weeks. Um, so I'll basically be like eight weeks on or eight weeks off, four weeks on, and then four weeks off again. Cause I think she gets 12 weeks too. Um, so she'll take the 12 at once and I'll do the split eight and four. Cause the other thing too, is like, Childcare is a whole thing now, right? Like, obviously, my job is is beneficial because it's hybrid and I can work from home some days. But like, my schedule is not really predictive. Like, I just found out today on Tuesday that I have to be in Waltham on Thursday, right? Like, I just got an invitation for a for an in person meeting on Thursday morning. So it's like, I can't really be like, oh yeah, no, I'm gonna be home every Tuesday, Thursday for the baby. It's like I. I'll be home whenever I can, right? Like that, it's that type of thing. So we're trying to uh, to stretch out the amount of time that one of us is home. <clears throat> so it'll be like the first eight weeks, both of us will be home together. Then Amy will be home for four weeks and then I'll be home for four weeks after that. So each by herself. So um, that'll get us covered for 16, the first 16 weeks. And then after that, we got to figure something out (laughs) where it's like, I don't even know. I don't even, what is six weeks, four months? Because daycare won't even take people, like daycare won't take babies less than six months. Most of them, at least. It's going to be really hard. I don't know if that's true. Oh, really? Well, because the most paternity leave I've ever heard of is 16. Yeah. Paternity, maternity, maternity. The most maternity I've heard of is 16 weeks which is not even four full months. Right. So what do those people do? Babies go somewhere. Yeah. No, I know. I just, I think that it's not as common to find one that, you know what I mean? Like, do you know that? Have you spoke to a daycare yet? I do. I have not. Um, But people have told me again, the, the unsolicited advice has been like, oh yeah, it's harder to find a daycare that take uh, less than six months. Usually they start at six months. But I don't know I don't if that's I don't true. Know. I don't know how I don't know how factual that is. Yeah, I don't either. I've now just, uh, certain certain places might have certain rules and certain availability and shit like that. Right. Right. I'm also just kind of sketched out about bringing like my four month old somewhere all day. You know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of weird to me. Well, you got to work at some point, don't you? 
Yeah, <laughs> it's just someone's got to pay the fucking bills, right? <laughs> Including that daycare bill. Yeah, I know. Fuck that. So, who knows? We'll figure it out. That's the thing, though, right? It's like, we'll figure it out. Like, like it's, it is what it is, right? Yeah, you won't be the you won't be the so just like you're not the first person having a kid, you won't be the first kid, first person that has a kid that needs to get into daycare 16 weeks out. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be fine. Um all right, what do we got here? What else we got? Um what's in the Oh, we got some some interesting kind of news. It's not breaking news anymore. Um, but this was last week, um, big news in the golf world, uh, Tiger Woods. So if anyone doesn't know, uh, Tiger Woods, uh, had foot surgery or ankle surgery, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's like, it was the, the, I think it was his, uh, talus bone. He had, uh, Taylor, subtalar fusion. Um, so that's literally the bone that is right in between the ankle and the foot. So fuck off if you want to get technical about it, but, um, he is done for this year. Um, potentially, I think, I think the soonest we would probably see him back in any kind of action would be, um, Augusta next year. Um, we'll see, I guess. Um, but because of that, his caddy, Joey LaCava, who's been his caddy over 10 years now, right? Like, didn't he? I don't know, when, he... I don't know when Stevie left. Yeah, I thought he Stevie did. Was, Stevie, so Stevie like... was definitely on Adam Scott's bag in 2013. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I thought he ditched Stevie maybe around like 08, like right around the time when his like personal shit was going down. Yeah, I forget. Um, So either way, so then over 10 years then, um. Joe LaCava has been on his bag. Uh, he announced that he is leaving Tiger Woods's bag. Um, and he is now going to caddy for Patrick Cantlay full time. So they actually had their first tournament together uh, this past weekend. I think Cantlay, did he finish third? No, no, no. He finished like fucking, I don't even know, like fucking 30th. Oh, did he shit the bed? He didn't do anything for three rounds. Yeah, he was um he was high up there at one point. Yeah, he was like he was like third after the first round. Yeah. That's probably uh Yeah, he finished T21. Yeah, he shot a 67. So he went 67, 71, 71, 69. So um yeah, interesting. Interesting now that so I don't know. It's 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 funny. I mean, because then Twitter goes and they're like, bring back Fluff or Fluffy, whatever his name was. What was it? What's that guy's name? Yeah, Fluff. Um, there's the pictures of him as a caddy. Wasn't he the one where he would check the wind with smoking with a cigarette? This, yeah, smoking <laughs> yeah, a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I said, I mean, I don't, I personally, I don't expect tiger back until Augusta next year. So, um, he's got plenty of time to find a new caddy, but it'll certainly be interesting to see who does it. It'll be someone we don't know. 
Yep. And the other thing with this is it doesn't matter who, who caddies for Tiger Woods. He either has it or doesn't. Right. And if he has it, he will win or compete, contend, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Yeah. And his caddy. Now this is like old, like the old school thought, like none of these new guys are like this. Keep up. What is it? Keep up, shut up, show up, keep up, shut up. Yeah. So get your fucking yards right. Done. That's it. Right. Nothing more. Right. And if the guy can do that, then it doesn't matter who, who loops for him. Yeah. I mean, he's Tiger fucking Woods, right? That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah, and at, and, and at this stage of his career, like I said, he either has it or he doesn't. So if he doesn't, it won't be because or... It, the caddy doesn't sway this one way or the other. Right, right. In my opinion. Now, some of these guys need... Like, like some of the, some of these caddies are like fucking security blankets. Holy shit. Yeah, like uh, Spieth and Greller. Like, I, I mean, I think it's kind of cool, but I'm also a nerd when the the um, the microphone gets Spieth and Greller like going back and forth, talking to each other. Like, oh well, you know, like a stock nine would be this, but the wind's going that way, and I feel like if I hit a little bit of a cut on it, then I could you know, maybe take an eight iron, take a little bit, like the, the, like the type of conversations that they have to me, I find that interesting. Uh, most people are probably like, that's fucking stupid. Like, what are they even saying? Um, but I think Spieth is one of those guys where like his caddy is a fucking binky. Yeah. It's that, or Spieth just needs to speak everything into existence. Cause I don't like that, that I don't know with him. He's, he's weird. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's a good point because there's a lot of stuff that people talk about all the time that like that Greller is uh, will tell him not to do something. He'll he be like, anyway. and he does it anyway, right? He's like, definitely don't hit. You, you don't want to hit five wood here. Like just, all right, hand you me know, five wood. yeah, take a six iron, lay it back, give yourself a nice, easy third shot in, put it close, get a birdie and let's get out of here. And then Speed's like, I don't know. I feel like I can knock a five iron pretty good. Get it in. Get and then he, you know, and then he takes the five. Uh, I'm sorry, the five wood, and then he takes the five wood anyway and fucking hits it. And then, you know, Greller's standing there like you're an asshole <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Speed's one of those guys that just needs to talk because I would like because sometimes when he's talking too, it's like. Oh yeah, Michael, I'm just thinking like, you know, the wind's off the left and you know, it's, you know, 145. So if I just take an eight, you know, hit it into there, like that should be perfect. And like Michael Greller was like, yep. But it's like in his head, it's like, yeah, dude, no shit. Like <laughs> 10 yeah. miles an hour in, add it on 155. That's probably, actually it's probably too little for an eight iron, but like whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, so. it's 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 interesting to hear some of like the the hot mics that get them. Sometimes, I, like um, I think it's Rom's caddy. I don't know his name, um, but there's been a few times know. where John Rom's caddy would be like, "Yep, let's go. Just hit it. Like you got it. Just go." 
Like I've heard that a few times. So it all depends on the guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't imagine, you know, I don't, I don't think Cantlay is going to go on this like magical run now. I've saw some people on Twitter saying like, Oh, take, and obviously they took him at quail hollow to win because of that. And it's like, I, I listen, I am in no position. I, I'm not that big of a golf nerd to be able to like power rank caddies, right? Like there's some guys that are, that are very popular, like Michael Greller or bones Mackay. Um, that you just know their names because they've been around a long time or Steve Williams. Um, basically anybody that's been Tiger Woods caddy, you know, because it's Tiger Woods, right? No, so you, like, you know who the caddies are because of the player. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, like I said, I'm not knocking Joey LaCava. Like I'm not, I'm not in this to say like one caddy is better than the other, but like a caddy probably isn't gonna make or break it. I mean, really, the only the only example that that that's happened recently is um, Scotty Scheffler and Ted Scott. Um, like literally the week I think the week Ted Scott joined him on the bag, he won the waste management, right? Or something. I think like Zal Torres had a change too going into the St. Jude. That he won. Okay, yeah, that he won there. Yeah, and so I mean, like, dude, like, like stuff like that does happen. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's like it's like one of those things. Like, oh, first round after someone, uh, someone has their first kid. It's like that's not a real thing, right? Like, you can draw a correlation, sure, but like, you know, sometimes having the kid, you just go out there, fuck it, don't care, and then you don't stress and you hit the ball well, no problem. It's like. Same thing with a caddy. It's like sometimes they just know like what to say, what not to say, what not to do. Right. When to right. just let the player play. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's not the information. All these guys, all these caddies are good at get, gathering information. Right. And none of there's there's nothing out there that's available that like like Joey LaCava can't have access to something that no yeah. other caddy can get. Right. That's right. not possible. That's exactly. it's not possible. Like you read the green, it either breaks right to left or it doesn't. Right. Like well, a lot of these guys don't even read the greens. The players just do it. Yeah. It's like, it's usually just like yardage and wind. Yep. Like I know Matt Fitzpatrick will have his caddy. Um, was it bill, bill something? Um, yeah. 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 I know he has his caddy read greens, but he's like the only one like the big. Oh, yeah. The and big, like a second look guys. sometimes. Cause I've even heard a couple caddies too. And it's like, Hey, can you come in and look at this? I see right edge. And then like caddy comes in and goes, sounds good. <laughs> now it doesn't matter if it's right edge or not, but the player feels good about it. And then that second opinion just makes them, you know, roll a good putt. Right. Right. So, so. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, moral of the story is I, I I wouldn't go out of my way to start betting on Patrick Cantlay to start winning stuff. I mean, unless you want to bet on him because he's good in multiple like scoring categories. He is good, right? He's what, world ranked number four or number six or something like that? 
He's up. He's there. up. Th- he's up there. And he he's, might be number four. He's finishing high. His making like he's scoring low. He's making a lot of birdies. He doesn't have a win yet. And the guy can play. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Don't 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 bet on him though. Oh, change his caddy. He's gonna get hot. Yeah. Mm, probably not. <laughs> probably not. No, unless he played like the fucking Byron Nelson where no one's playing. Yeah. I got to do my picks. Fuck. Yeah, I got to do those too. I was fucking busy today. I didn't even, I didn't look at anything. Um, I could be in Cambridge tomorrow, so I don't know when the fuck I'm going to look at all these. I don't know. I'll get something out though. Man up and go to bed late. God damn. Yeah. How the fuck are you going to have a father if you can't, uh, how how the fuck are you going to have a father? (laughs) How the fuck are you going to be a father if you can't even fucking sacrifice normal things you want to do for fucking degenerate activity. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's a touche. Yeah. So maybe I'll look at them tonight. Um, which you actually well get you, you may as well get used to not sleeping. Yeah. Might as well. Right. Uh, start it now. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll get those, I'll get the picks out, which actually kind of like, I had written this down um, a while ago. Cause I, I, it just like, popped up on my Twitter is that I see a lot of guys that are like golf guys, like golf gambling guys on Twitter. And I don't understand the way they bet on stuff because they'll have like 12 plays, like every single week, they'll have like eight outright bets and like, you know, four, five, six placing bets. And it's like, how, like, you don't understand how ROI works, right? And like your return on investment, like it's having eight bet, eight outright bets for the winner, right? So if anyone's not familiar with uh, gambling outright just means like the the winner, right? The one person that's going to win. Like how, at, at some point it just becomes not worth it, right? Like if you, if you place eight one unit bets, right? Let's do some quick math. Eight one unit bets. That's an eight unit liability, right? Even if you hit the winner and he's says, you know, 12 to one, right? Because recently, I mean, I know Wyndham Clark just won at 75 to one, which I cashed on, yippee-ki-yay. Um, most of these guys are somewhere probably between like nine and 60, nine and 20, call it, right? Like say the guy that wins is like 12 to one and you have eight unit liability, like you just... You only won four units. Yeah, it's four units, right? Like that's, it's literally 400 times what you bet, but it's ridiculous it's that, that you had. It's 50% of what you bet. If you bet one unit. If you win four units, if you win four, if you yeah. net, if you net four and risk eight. Right, right. No, 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 no. I, I understand. I know that. I'm saying like, if you break it down to like abs, like, like an absolute number, right? Like you, you on this, or I don't what is the word I'm trying to like, if you look at it in a vacuum, right? Like you bet one unit 
on this one player who netted you four units, right? Like it's that's a decent would, bet. Then oh. Like that's what I'm saying. So, like, yeah, that's fine. But if you weren't a jackass that had eight outright bets for a unit each, like you would have won way more fucking money. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I guess there's arguments you can make either way on it. Cause then like you obviously you have a better chance of hitting if you have more, but it's like, what's the point? Right. Cause also the odds of you actually picking the winner are fucking slim to none. Right. Like I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, not that I have the best approach, but typically what I look to do on like regular events I'll pick like one or two outrights um, and then I'll do, you know, anywhere between like three to five placements, depending on the numbers, right? Like I thought Joel Damon top 40 was a great bet at Quail Hollow this past weekend. <laughs> he missed the cut. And he missed the cut, right? Because statistically, I think every time he's he's never missed the cut at Quail Hollow. So I was like, oh, I'll take him top 40. It's easy money. And then he misses the cut this weekend, obviously. Um, so like something like that, where like uh, that's when I'll add like an extra placement bet or something like that. But like I said, typically on a regular week, right? Like a, the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow or the Byron Nelson at Colonial this week, like I look to make somewhere between like five to seven bets, right? And depending on who the guy is that I'm betting outright, I might only bet a half a unit, right? Which is what I did with Wyndham Clark. So Wyndham Clark, I hit this past weekend as the outright at at um, Quail Hollow at 75 to one. I only bet a half a unit. So I came out 37 and a half units, which is still a lot of fucking money, right? Like it's, you know, so that's what I'll do sometimes just to kind of minimize like liabilities and things like that. Cause I recognize like the odds of me hitting this anyway are, are, are low. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't get, I don't, I guess that's a really long winded way to say like, I think people are jackasses on Twitter that post like 10 outright bets. Like these are my guys that I'm betting on to win this weekend. And there's literally 10 guys. It's like, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, I, that's what I mean. Like, I don't think they understand how betting really works. So there's a few things at play here. One, you got to figure out if these people actually make these wagers or do they just that's create content? Point. That's a good point. Cause if they're just create content creators and they're not actually betting on them, then you really don't know. Right. Then I've seen a lot of these people, they don't bet a full unit on outrights. They bet to win eight units or something. Like, yeah. So if that means it's 0.1 and 0.27 and 0.5, like that's how they, right, right. That's how they'll bet some of that stuff. Um, some people hit. 10 and 13 weeks. So it's like, you can't look bet, bet by bet right. or week by week. They'll just use like the accumulation over the season. Um, and that also applies to using placements and head to heads and round matchups and first round leaders and things like that. Like, you know, 
there are people who will hit like a first round leader and an outright in the same tournament. And if they were betting a unit at a time, they might be up a hundred units from that one event. Right. Right. So now if they bet eight bets, eight outrights or whatever, that covers them for the next 12 tournaments. True. That math might be off. True. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, it's close. So, but then it's like that implies that they go over in between. Right. And that's only from one tournament hit a first round leader and the outright. Like some of these guys, like some of these guys hit. Yeah. And they might hit 13 outrights a year. So if the 13 outrights pay for all the other shit, then they don't care at the end of it. Yeah. So a bet by bet doesn't make, or week by week might not make sense. But then you can also buoy this stuff with all the other shit too. So it's like, you know, if you hit, you know, if you're plus money on head to heads and plus money on top 20s and plus money on outrights because you hit enough of them, then yeah, you can be up, up, up at the end of it. But the, so that like, that's one side of the argument. The other side of the argument is the people who don't track units. And they're putting out 12 first round leaders, five top 20s, three top 10s, eight outrights, and they're doing live matchups. I'm like, there's no way that that person is is betting all of that. And I've seen those, some of those people, there's two people I have in mind. And I know that they don't win at the clip that I was describing. And I know their top 20s don't hit at the clip I was describing. So I don't know what they do. I don't know if they're actually wagering the money. Yeah. Yeah, or they're just putting it out for content. Right? Yeah, that's what I... I so I, I don't exactly know because then... Now, here's another problem. Some of these people, they just look at their whole bankroll as their whole bankroll. So if they hit a Super Bowl future... Right. So it's like, oh, I'm up... Like say say that that year Ian was up like twenty four units in football, right? So then he gets a little more reckless with golf, and it's looking like wow he's really throwing a lot around, which he doesn't. He does three a week, but it's like wow he's really kind of throwing a lot around right now, and it's like yeah, but he's still up from football, and it's like okay yeah, I mean like you never know how someone's looking at this stuff. So like Sammy P breaks it down sport by sport and he doesn't break it down year by year. It's right. Total. It's ever since he's been doing the show. Right. So those 200 bets are over four years and that's, that's what his percentage is. But yes, when he hits an outright that goes into it too. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, how are you up eight units? It's like, dude, I hit outrights. Like, yeah. 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 But that was two years ago. He goes, and like, yeah, like I hit, like I said, I just hit Wyndham Clark a half a unit to win 37 and a half units. Like that'll cover me for a while. Yeah, and and the thing is like, so the way that I, I've been using this year as like experimentation, I've been taking way less outrights. Mm-hmm. Um, you can obviously see that on those, the Sarcasm Speaks Twitter. I've been taking a lot more top 20s, especially in the designated events because the designated events is all the good players. Right. Well, and then I was like, well, then maybe I'll take some outrights in the other events. It's like, well, all the good players are gone. So now it's like, it's, it's kind shoot. of a fucking crapshoot. 
Yeah, you get Wyndham Clark winning. So now, <laughs> yeah, so now I'm just trying to find, I'm trying to treat it almost like football bets. Like, I haven't taken a ton of minus 110s, but if I can get plus money or a little bit better, I start to get skeptical at like plus 165. Yeah. I think I hit, you know what? I think I hit a Wyndham Clark top 2165 because he was being like severely undervalued that week. But like this week, I know a big one will be like one of the fucking South Koreans because the South Koreans always do well at the Byron Nelson. Yeah. KH Lee won it back to back years. He has. So this is the, so I'll give you KH, KH Lee because I'm probably going to give out his top 20. Yeah. KH Lee has won the Byron Nelson back to back. So obviously we know he plays well there. He's also having the best year of his career right now. So where some people are going to be like, oh, you can't take. KH Lee, his number's been fucking slashed because he's back to back winner. I'm like, like he should never be this number, which I don't even know what his outright is. It doesn't matter. I don't either. He was he was 150 to one two years ago, and he was 101 last year, and he won yeah, both, does, he, he won both times. Yeah, now he's probably like 25 this week, but yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But like, I'm gonna give him a strong look at top 20. Because he has the course history there. He's having the best year of his career. So why would I expect him not to play better? Now, anything can happen in a week of golf. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it, it for me, it just depends on where he stands in the field. So if he's not like a top seven player in the field, then no, I'm not going to take a top 20 on. Right. Right. The same way I'm not going to lay the juice on Scotty Scheffler, which that number must be fucking stupid. Now let's speed this out. Like, oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's how I look at it. And this year I'm just, I'm trying to do less on the outright side because I want to like, frankly, the PGA tour schedule and the, thus the betting kind of got flipped on its head. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I've I'm done top twenties. I'm still, I'm, I'm up on the top twenties. I should, I should have fucking done units and fucking all that shit, but I didn't. I've, I've done pretty decent this year. So I mean, I, I should, I should have, hot. I should have tracked. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I started out hot at the beginning of the season. Um, I hit Max Homa at the Farmers. Um, I hit Scotty Scheffler at the Waste Management. Um, then I hit Max Homa first round leader at Genesis. Um, then I hit John Rahm at the Masters, and. I split Rom and Hovland. I had them both as first round leader at the Masters. I hit that. And then obviously I just hit Wyndham Clark. So I've done decently well um, in golf this year with outrights. Um, finishing positions, eh, it's a kind of a mixed bag, but, you know. I, I've tried to take the approach that that actually you've taken, and we actually didn't really talk about this or coordinate it at all. But um, I try and look for those like top twenty guys, like you just said, like that, you know, something that's a good, that's a decent number, right? Like a like a Wyndham Clark being undervalued, right, for a top twenty, um, yeah, like something like that, right? Like I'll when I look at the numbers and things like that. So, yeah. I'm trying to be a little bit smarter. Like you said, use like a football tactic. Well, that's my thing is like some people, like some people in the golf world, they're always looking to hit 
an outright or a first round leader or like, Ooh, who's the diamond in the rough that at top 20 that I can get at two, two and a half to one. It's like, there are people who bet minus one ten lines at a at a high clip and at a profitable clip. Right. So what the fuck is what the fuck is the difference? Right. There isn't one. Right. The only difference is, you know, you see some of this shit and it's like Cage Lee twenty two to one. That's fucking gross. Wow. Fuck this, dude. Holy shit. Like someone's gonna look at Adam, uh, Aaron Wise, like, oh, he's won there before. He's a good player. Fifty-one. I'll, 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 I'll take a flyer on him. And it's like, bro, he ain't winning. Don't worry. Yeah. Where the fuck are the twenties? That's wild. So from one fifty to a hundred to twenty-two. <laughs> stupid. In three consecutive years. Absolutely stupid. You know what though? He's gonna win again. <laughs> he will not win again. Don't worry. You can book it. <laughs> yeah so like i'm even looking at on bet mgm the top 20s yeah like kh lee minus 110 now i'm kind of like yeah i don't know i'm a little eh. again i'd have to pull up my spreadsheet anyway but like i hate these numbers like top 20 scotty shuffler minus 600 are you fucking serious yeah that's comical. Tom Kim minus 160. I get it. People like him and he's like fun and whatever. What the fuck has he done this year? He hasn't he hasn't played well of late. So I mean, I might be taking Kucher and that's it. Yeah. Jason Day 135. Ugh. I mean, I don't hate KH minus 110 for top 20. I don't hate so it either. I gotta just pull because my, I don't um, have my thing in front of me. Again, with BetMGM, it's ties in full, right? So, yeah, I mean, DraftKings might have a man, you know, plus 110, but you'd have to split that in the event of a tie. Yeah, so, I mean, I got KH Lee as the sixth player because I got to delete speed out. Um, you have a model? Not a model, but I pull stats and rank the guys. Ah. But I just rank them as like the best players or like best performing players of the year. Right. Okay. Because the other thing too that I found was when I was doing all like the data golf stuff, everyone does data golf now. Yeah. That's baked, that's baked into the number. Right. Yeah. So I mean I got a, I got my rankings as like Scheffler, Day, Tom Kim, Hatton, Kucher, Cage Lee. So you pull your stats from just PGA tour.com. Yep. Hmm. And KH Lee's fairly consistent with his rankings. So, um, yeah, minus one ten. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. What's fucking Hideki minus one. Fuck off. See All right. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want to start wrapping this up? We can wrap this up. All right. Um, so I got to play Brayburn today. And the quick rundown on Brayburn is it's our it's our boy Donnie Ross. Yep. It's in 
Newton Mass. Uh, I believe it's a top 25 in the state. If you use the golf digest rankings, Yep. it's held a mass mid-am it's held the mass am. It's actually the place where, uh, Parziali was like probably three under through. I don't think it was through his first 18 holes. I want to say, well, maybe it was, maybe it was 300 through his first 18 holes and he was getting fucking annihilated. <laughs> like he got, he got throttled and he, and he was under par, like multiple yeah. shots under par, got yeah. absolutely fucking steamrolled. That kid will probably be on the fucking PGA tour. It's Michael Thorbjornson. He's at Stanford. Um, it was fucking stupid. Like <laughs> he got, he, like he got, he did not play bad golf and he got killed. Yeah. I, I wish I could, insane. I, maybe I can pull, I don't have the score, but, um, It is also hosted U.S. Open, U.S. Am, U.S. Women's Am, and the Curtis Cup, which is like a, um, I think the Curtis Cup is a amateur women's rider cup. So like the women play the Solheim Cup. Right. Which is USA versus Europe. The men amateurs play the Walker Cup, which is the same thing. Yeah. But it's amateurs. I believe the amateur Walker Cup, USA versus um, Europe, is the Curtis Cup. Okay. So that was played um, there as well. So, you know championship golf course, old golf course, historic golf course. Um, I mean, it was good. And it was like, I got like, I don't want to say I'm like getting numb to like some of these good places. Like, I, cause I don't want to sound like greedy. Cause I'm definitely like grateful that I get to play and get the opportunity to go to some of these places. Um, but it's a lot like some of these other, like it's almost like a mix of like some of the Donald Ross courses because it's like, you know, a bunch of elevation change at the greens. You know, the greens are, oh, don't be above the hole. Like, right, right, right. Um, so it does, and it's, it's probably like, it's probably the nicest Ross that I've played. Because I've played, or as Juana Moisit, Juana Moisit's just such a bitch. <laughs> Juana Moisit's nice too. I like Brayburn better than Juana Moisit. Yeah, <laughs> Brayburn's better. Than, I, I like Brayburn, but I like I like it better. Yeah, yeah. Is it a better golf course? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It might be. I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, it would depend on like how you even grade that, right? Like what constitutes a better golf course. I, I would imagine that's somewhat subjective, at least. Yeah, because it has it. It's going to be p partly biased by what you like, right? Too. Right. Um. So I actually like. I mean, I know we always make fun of our boy Donnie, but I actually like his courses. 
I just need to like learn to play them just like a little bit better still. Yeah. Um, because generally he gives you space off the tee and makes it diabolical from there, which right. I personally like, cause like, so is, is driving one of my, like if we break like the four skills down, is driving my worst like it probably is like for my skill level like it's probably my worst and then my putting can be worse but putting i can also be streaky and putt well like i putt well today um so yes does it help me to look out there and see friendly yeah it does and so but this is my again this is my opinion so this is why this works this way right um, but I, I also like that too, because I don't think it's fair for good players, high handicappers, whatever to play a golf course that doesn't give a fair dispersion. And especially when that comes in like, oh, we just grew trees to grow trees or <laughs> it's super tight here because we built houses on both sides of the fairway. And it's like, fuck that. Like, that's not fun to yeah. me. Yeah. Like that's stupid. So I don't care how nice a golf course is. If there's fucking OB all over the place and houses all over the place, I don't like it. Like that's just not, that's not the type of golf that I'm going to like. Right. So Brayburn is not that. So outside of 18, being able to kill someone on the driving range, (laughs) um, like it's, it's pretty open and then it's just super fucking challenging getting home. Yeah. And I do like that elevation change plenty of it um michael thorbjornson in 30 holes so the mass am final is 36 holes match play yep he won in 30 he made 18 birdies holy shit he was not 18 under through 30 um i really wish i could get a fucking scorecard (laughs) because i know yeah, because they're not going to give me a score because it's going to be um, – they're not going to count a score because he didn't actually post a score because it's match play. And it was in like the match play bracket and there's gimmies and all that crap. Yeah, okay. so we won eight, eight and six. Come on, give me a scorecard. Give me something. It's going to give me nothing. Nope, got it. So – because I was told this too, like it's like oh Brayburn, like yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah whatever. But, you know, just remember, like one of the best golfers in Massachusetts went out there, played well, and got his ass fucking handed to him. So Parziali, all right, so Matt Parziali on the front shot two under. He had three birdies in a bogey. This kid shot five under. Yeah, he opened. Birdie, 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 birdie. Birdied the first five. (laughs) So then on the back nine, Matt Parziali shot four under for a 67. That was bested by two on the back. (laughs) So that's a six under back for a total of 62. Wow. 
Par I mean, 72. He shot 10 under on the first 18 holes. What's the course record? Probably that. Yeah, I would imagine. I'm not, it's like, I'm, be... I'm, I'm guessing it's probably that. And if it's yeah. not that, it's that and... Dude, I really doubt... Because they haven't had any... Like, I know I said US Open, USAM, all that stuff. I, they haven't had that in a very long time. Yeah. And the Curtis Cup and two women's AMs, those have been in the last, say, 40 years. Yeah. Um, they haven't had a, a like an elite men's tournament. Well, the in, U.S. Open I saw was in 1919. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Jones won. Yeah, I think, or he won a U.S. Am. He won the Am. Okay, Sarazen might have won. Or yeah. Sarazen, maybe Sarazen. Don't know. Not important. Um. So, if that wasn't enough fun, he's six up through 18. And Matt Pazzioli shot five under. We go That's to wild. so we go to the second second eighteen. I think they have lunch and they go back out. <clears throat> Mister Pazzioli shoots three under to once again be bested by two. Orby <laughs> Orenson's five under. No, four under, four under, four. Uh, so he's bested by one. Sorry, four under. Which then leads. So now it's it's uh, seven up through 27. Yeah. And mind you, Matt is now eight under on the day. Right? Yeah. Yep, five and then five and three. They both birdie 10. And the match is over on 12 with another birdie. Wow. So he was, they played 30 holes. He was nine under par and lost by eight. That's wild. So yeah, he's good. Thor Bjornsson. Yes. He just won the Pac-12. Yeah, he's all right. So like he is, so like that's the thing is like- Is he from Massachusetts? Yeah, Wellesley. Or Wellesley area. He played he he played out of Wellesley Country Club. Okay. Local guy. Fucking stupid. Yeah. That's wild. Yes. So yeah, I mean again, so I like the course, but I did want to bring up that. Yeah. Because <laughs> my my pro said that. He goes, just remember, he goes, Matt played out he played really, really, really good golf and got fucking killed. <laughs> nine on nine under through 30 holes. Yeah. Lost by eight. That's insane. Uh, so my final thought is going to stick to the, uh, stick to the golf theme here, heavy golf to end. Um, but I played at Wentworth Hills, uh, in Plainville on Sunday morning with Bill, uh, friend of the show. Shout out to Bill. Um, and I actually played, I'm going to call it very well. Uh, I shot an 88. So um, anytime I can break 90 is is good. Uh, there were obviously holes that, you know, sucked. Um, but I made two birdies. It's the first round ever in my life that I made two birdies. Uh, and both on par fives. 
So Wentworth Hills has three par fives. Uh, I birdied the first two. And then obviously I stepped up to the tee on the third one and was like, oh, you think I could make it three for three? And Bill's like, yeah, totally, man. You've been playing great today. And I hit a snap hook off the tee and proceed to make a seven uh, for a double. And my average of the par fives on the day between the three of them ended up being five <laughs> with the birdie birdie double. So when you said that, the only thing that went off in my head was the gif of um, Gordon Ramsay when he takes the two slices of bread and puts them around the girl's ears <laughs> and goes, what are you? And she answers an idiot sandwich. <laughs> yes. Because you felt you fell right into the fucking trap. Yeah. So I had. Um, let me see. I'll, I can pull it up real quick. Um, so I had two birdies right for the first time ever. However, I also had two triples. Um, there were three sevens on the card, but one of those sevens was a double uh, on the on the third par five. So two birdies and three sevens on the card. And the hilarious part about it was the triples and the birdies were back to back. So on the fourth hole, I made a seven. And then on the fifth hole, par five, I birdied it. And then on the 12th hole, par five, I birdied it. And the 13th hole, I made a seven. <laughs> so I literally went triple birdie on the front and then birdie triple on the back. Um, yeah, you're just you're just stacking good rounds yeah. or stacking good holes. Sorry. Yeah, just uh, just being a, a complete doofus. Um, but the the biggest thing for me and I said this to you the other day, because I went to the driving range Friday night uh, before we played on Sunday, is that right now <laughs> I am hitting the driver very well, um, like humbling it. So <clears throat> I use 18 birdies to, to GPS track uh, my rounds. So it's... I mean, I'll throw the caveat in that it's not obviously 100% accurate, right? Like, it's not like I have like the Goodyear blimp above me doing actual GPS tracking. It's literally like I'm standing on the tee box. I hit, you know, track shot, whatever the button I hit. And then when I hit my second shot, I hit track again, and it just calculates the distance and pulls it out. So how accurate is the GPS? I don't know, but it's probably accurate to within a couple yards. Like I can't imagine it's more than like a plus or minus five yards. Um, but that being said, I hit driver one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times uh, on Sunday. And these are the yardages that I hit driver again, according to my, my GPS. Uh, first one, 199 which was a snap. I had a bit of a snap hook going on, uh, on at, at times on Sunday, but, uh, 199, 287, 206, 254, 291, 191 and 257. That standard deviation is fucking crying right now. <laughs> so it's literally like I either crushed it or I hit a snap hook for about 200 yards. So there's three, there was three snap hooks in there, right? So seven, seven shots with the driver, 
Um, four of them went over 254 yards. So again, th- those ones went 254, 257, 287, and 291. Um, and then the three snap hooks went 191, 199, and 206. But golf is so much more enjoyable when the ball goes far and straight off the tee. Have you ever tried hitting it long and straight and then hitting every green (laughs) and rolling in every putt? (laughs) Have you ever thought about doing that? No, actually, I haven't. Yeah, I mean, I haven't either because, you know, it takes the artistry out of the game. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should try Um, that sometime. I would try that next time. Yeah. Drive Drive it super long, super straight hit every green and then roll in every putt. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I was crushing the ball, right? I was hitting it, I was hitting it really well when it went well. And when I wasn't snap hooking it with, again, with the driver. So some of the, the longer irons are still a little bit iffy. Um, but again, I made two birdies in the same round for the first time ever. Um, so, I mean, my, I, I know I send you this all, all, all the time after I uh, play around, but my strokes gained. So 18 birdies tracks your strokes gained statistics versus someone at your own handicap level or your own, own range, right? So compared to people on, in my range, off the tee, I lost, call it 4.8 strokes. Um, approach the green, I lost nine strokes. <laughs> Around the green, I gained I gained one stroke, and putting I gained a little bit over seven strokes. So, my putting is is always been very good. Um, I think I only had two three putts on the day. Um, like I, I think for me personally, I think putting is the best part of my game. Um. You know, it's just kind of, you know, it's it's hit and miss. It's been hit and miss traditionally outside of my putting. Um, but now that, like, I actually feel comfortable and have confidence with my driver, it's pretty fucking cool. Um, some of the, sh- the shorter irons are good, you know, seven, eight, nine. I'm struggling with my wedges right now because it's like the whole full swing half swing type of like weird yardages it's my wedges aren't aren't great right it's still early in the season too and they're new they're all new clubs so i'm still kind of figuring out yardages and things like that um but yeah the the long irons aren't aren't super awesome the wedges aren't super awesome but um driver putter and seven eight nine iron fantastic like if i can which oddly enough came into play on the par fives right i hit driver pretty fucking far and then hit a seven iron into the green and then two putted for for birdies both times so i hit seven greens in the round too which is like the most i've ever hit ever in a round so i mean we're getting there 
Well, while your confidence high, we should book a tea time at uh, Sharon Country Club. Yeah. <laughs> Bring you right back down. Yeah, I know, right? So, uh, it, yeah, I can hit the driver now, mostly, right? Like I, four out of seven times that I hit it, I hit it, I crushed it, right? I hit it over 250 yards. So, I don't know. If, Feels kind of good. Keep the fucking thing in play. <laughs> Avoid penalties. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. That's what I'm trying to do. So I'm, I haven't finished the book yet. Um, the Four Foundations of Golf by John Sherman. Um, my plan is to talk about it once I finish it. Um, but I have been been taking some of that into account, right? Like if you're wayward off the tee, take the easiest way back into the fairway, like eat the one stroke and take your third shot from the fairway versus like trying to be a hero and, and things like that. So thus, thus making double. Yeah. So like, for example, it, it, I actually pulled it off on the 10th hole is one that I remember specifically. Um, I hit driver. So 10th hole is downhill. I hit driver and it went a little bit left. It wasn't a, like a snap hook, but it's a hole with a hazard comes into play on the right. Mm, could I be could, there's woods. Really there's woods on the right. It's, it's like the first hole you hazard. it's through the, the back, the back half of the parking lot. Yeah. And it's down. I'm trying it's to remember downhill. There's a bunker on the left. So I think it's I, the hole I'm thinking of. I crushed the driver. It's downhill. I think that was the one I hit 291 because it's again, it's downhill. Um, and it started tailing left and it was heading towards the bunker and it it landed over the bunker and kicked left even more into the rough, like over the cart path into the rough on the the hole on the left hand side. I forget. I it might be 18. Um, but I had a tree right in front of me. I had a pine tree in front of me. And I think I had like 125 yards into the green. And I was like, and I was talking it through with Bill and we were talking about the book. And I was like, normally I would see 125 and be like, oh, I'll just hit like a draw with the nine iron around the tree, like a high, a high draw, right? Like that's the shot that you have to hit. And I'm like, high draws. and I'm like, I don't hit high draws, right? Like that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. Right. Like that's how, that's how I end up like hitting it off the fucking heel and like just hitting a shank. Right. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So again, with the tree right there, right in front of me, the tree was probably like, I don't know, 20, 30 yards. I had a little bit of a window underneath it. So I was like, all right, so let's not be a fucking dumbass here. And let's not try and hit a high draw with a nine iron and try and get on the green. So I was like, I'll take a seven iron and I'll knock it down and just kind of like try, like I had, you know, I am using the app to figure out like distances and where is what. And I'm like, I really only need to hit this seven iron about 70 yards. Like I needed to land, I needed to stay low and I needed to land about 70 yards to stay in the fairway. So I'm like, I can do that. Like, that's easy, right? Like that's, well, not, you know, easy, quote unquote, but like it's easier than hitting a high draw with a nine iron. 
Which you can't do. So, which I can't do. So I take the seven iron, I flight it down, and I hit it, and it it stays low, goes under the tree, under the tree limbs, lands in the fairway, and keeps rolling, and ends up in the fringe right off the right-hand side of the green. And then I chipped on, and I can't, I can pull up. I can't remember whether I made par or bogey. Um, Doesn't matter. Par. You just get, I saved you, par. If you give yourself a par putt, whether you so, make bogey or make par, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I, I, the, again, this, the seven, the seven iron landed, like ended on the fringe on the right hand side of the green. It was a back left pin. I chipped it close. I think I had like a six foot putt, maybe. And I, I drained the six footer for, to save par. And I was like, holy shit, like that's golf. Like, but I got that from the book, right? Where he was, he basically says in the book, like, don't hit shots. You don't know how to hit, right? He's like, it's, it's a lot easier to just hit what you hit. Right. And then just change it from there. Like play your game. And I could retitle that book. It would be how to play golf non-retardedly. Yes, that is. And that's how, and I would phrase it that way too. Yeah. Cause the example he uses in the book is Dustin Johnson. And he says, Dustin Johnson is one of the most successful golfers ever. He's won majors. He's won like 22 times or 21 times on tour, whatever it is. And he goes, he has one shot shape. He hits a fade. That's it. Every time he, he hits the ball, he hits a fade. He doesn't worry about trying to hit draws. He doesn't like do all this crazy stuff. And he goes, it works for him. So why do you think you need to have, you know, seven different shot types in the bag? So, yeah, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. So that's kind of how I tried to play. And, you know, I shot an 88. You know, the triples were my own fault, right? Like it was just, it was just shit off. Well, one of them was OB. Um, one of them, I think my tee shot went OB. So that was, that led to the triple. Um, the other one, I forget what it was. It was just a fucking debacle. Um, so, you know, it's dumb shit like that. Right. But it's getting better. Like I feel better, uh, you know, like I can now confidently go out there and be like, yeah, I'm probably going to shoot somewhere around a 90, right? Like I would expect to shoot somewhere between like in 87 and a 94, like depending on the All course. Right. You're getting way too positive. I need to get you out to Sharon. <laughs> yeah. we, we, this, this, this cannot, this cannot, I will not allow this level of positivity and optimism to continue. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, um, it's, what did I dude, shoot? it's golf. You're not supposed to be optimistic and positive. That's insane. When I went to, um, the, what the fuck is the, the hillside? I played at Hillside Country Club, um, for like the second time ever. I'd only played there once, I think, last year. Um, I shot a 94 a couple weeks ago. So, you know, it, it, it feels good. Like I, by, I don't know. I feel a lot better than I have in the past. So we'll see how it goes. I'll bring, I can bring back those old feelings. Yeah. <laughs> a PTSD. I don't, I don't Sharon want you to Country forget Club. where you came from. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. If you forget your roots, you'll never fucking live in the real world again. <laughs> so, yeah, 
that's uh, that's going to do it. That'll do it for us. Uh, thank you for watching. Uh, if you're on YouTube, uh, don't forget to subscribe, hit the like button, um, rate and review. You know, you know, if you're an audio only guy, subscribe over there too. Tell everybody you know about the show. Uh, you can get us on Instagram at Sarcasm Speaks Pod, on Twitter at Sarcasm underscore Speaks, or on Facebook at Sarcasm Speaks. The website is sarcasmspeaks.com. Uh, you go to the merch store, buy some merch. And while you're buying stuff, you can go to moonbrew.com, use the promo code Jared16159, the dumbest thing ever, uh, to get 10% off of your purchase every time you check out over at moonbrew.com uh, for their uh, sleep tea, I guess you could call it. Um, you can also go to grillyourassoff.com, use the promo code sarcasmpod. Uh, to save 10% off your order over there as well every time you check out. And lastly, uh, you can go to mybookie.com and use, so use the promo code SarcasmPod to double your first deposit up to a thousand bucks. So until next time, good night, everybody.